everybody. Today you have Jake and Seth, and we will be discussing the Lin-Manuel Miranda film, Tick, Tick, Boom, starring Andrew Garfield, Alexander Shipp, Robin DeJesus, Joshua Henry, Judith Flight, and Vanessa Hutchins. And this film is written by Stephen Levinson, and it is about... Jonathan Larson, who created Rent, and about his journey uh, in terms of getting this, of producing Rent and creating the work of art. Um, and it's a musical, and it's all about his process of trying to workshop. I can't remember the name of the original. He's workshopping a play that eventually turns into Rent, and it's because it, he's trying to work, make it in the Broadway industry as all of his friends are dying around him from AIDS due to the AIDS epidemic in the late 80s, early 90s. That's a quick background. Um, I'm sure anyone who is a female born between the years of 1965 and now is fully aware of Rent as a show, um, as a and what it is as like a cultural phenomenon. As a male, I was a little less, or as a someone who's not really that. I learned about it in college, where like I felt like every everyone every girl loved Rent. Not only did they love it, it was like on their playlist. Like I didn't realize how big Rent was, although I should have because my sisters loved it too. I thought this would be, I don't know what I was expecting. I really liked this film, um, but it had nothing to do with Rent. Like, it, at least in terms of, like, I thought it was going to be, like, when I thought it was about the making of Rent, I thought it was going to be, like, oh, like, his life was Rent-esque. Like, he was living, like, I, I didn't know what to expect, but it's not really like that. I'm losing myself. I liked it. I thought it was interesting. Throwing it to you, Seth. Actually sounds better for the modern audience. Like it's so much yeah, yeah. more like a dystopian future. It's sci-fi. It's actually perfect for a modern audience. He was literally twenty-five to thirty years ahead of his time. And so, some of the music from that play is in the movie. And it wasn't too bad. Some of the lyrics and some of the music in the movie uh, I thought were pretty good. Um, in terms of this being a movie, though, um, I did have some issues with it. Um, I didn't like a lot of the framing techniques that Manuel Miranda was having, where you're kind of coming back and forth between the stage play of Tick, Tick, Boom with Andrew Garfield playing Jonathan Larson, uh, and it's kind of him explaining his life while, while kind of making this middle play. And then he's also cutting into sort of like a biographical movie. 
movie about Jonathan Larson. And I think at the end, I would have just preferred give me the biographical movie and you don't give me, like, I don't need this framing device. But I understand that, that he was trying to kind of blend the play into the movie. And so he's kind of trying to show you the stage play at the same time as showing this guy's life. And I just thought that whole framing aspect muddled the movie for me. It made it a little too choppy and not very linear. I was watching it with my wife, and she was confused by it at times where she was like, she thought some of the stuff in the stage play was happening in real time, and I was like, no, this is kind of a back-and-forth thing where, like, this is kind of what the play was of Tick, Tick, Boom, but this movie is sort of like a biography about Jonathan Larson. So I thought that whole framing device needed some more work at the very least, if not just kind of cutting it out completely. That was also... I found confusing that it's like he's the creator of Rent, but he's baking Superbia and you're watching Tick, Tick, Boom. And like that for me, I, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but like that for me was a little confusing as well. And I like was looking, I was like, so what's Tick, Tick, Boom? It was like, that's not Superbia. I was like, wait, that for me, it was like, it, it wasn't really a film about the making of Rent. It was about the guy who made Rent. And I might have just misinterpreted that. But uh, I also found the framing. I didn't, I was also confused. But once I realized they were what was going on, I was kind of okay with it. But you kind of mentioned, like, from a, as a movie, it yeah. didn't really work for me because it wasn't so much a movie as it more felt like, honestly, like cinema verite. It was closer to cinema verite. Like, you're going to look at the struggling artist and how hard it is to even produce something, even try and get something produced. And it was like a slice of his life because there was no resolution. Like he and Alexander Ship don't really get back. Like, you know, they don't get back together. He doesn't get the play made. I'm pretty sure his friend dies. Like it's like, or, or maybe it's not, it's either not a story or it's just maybe like a really depressing story. And either way, I'm like, it, as, as a, I'm gonna take a step back as a piece of art for someone who's not into musicals, didn't know a lot about it. I thought it was interesting. I liked it. I enjoyed it. I was reading on Wikipedia. I learned more about Tick, Tick, Boom and Andrew Larson. And I didn't realize that he died before the success. I, I thought that was so interesting. And so like definitely got me interested in the topics and like the source material and the subject matter. But from a movie perspective, like I really liked, I liked Alexander Ship. I really liked Andrew Garfield, but like looking at it, like objectively as a story, it was just incomplete to me, or or it was not properly told. Yeah, exactly. I, I just thought the story could have been told a little bit better and not as confusing of a manner. And I understand, you know, the memo Miranda, it's like, I think he's a guy, obviously, has he has had huge success on Broadway at this point, uh, you know, most notably Hamilton. Um, but, like, I think he was really affected by Jonathan Larson and Rent and that whole story. And I think anybody, you know, in that theater world, it's it's tough. I mean, theater's a tougher world than Hollywood, honestly. If, you know, to make it in New York, uh, in the theater world, it's just a tough. It's a crawl. You know, it's a grind. It's and I do think that that well, like, what I, it's really trying to show is that grind inside that world, and I, that is kind of what you know rent comes out of and everything. And so there were aspects of it that rang true to me, but again, some of the stuff is a little. <laughs> some of the framing stuff is pretty confusing. I'm so sorry to interrupt. I apologize. I was so rude to me, but I just I knowing that you have a closer touch or a closer line or, or a tap to that world. So curious to know, because what I always hear, it's, I know on movies, you're on a set for a few weeks or a few months. I know on TV shows, you're on the set for basically like six, six months or five months, however long it takes to shoot. My understanding for Broadway plays, you're doing like 
eight shows a week. Like you're in effect doing more than one show. It's five, five during the week or sometimes two matinees on the weekend, but in effect you're doing more shows than there are days. And like, this is like physical, like even if you're just getting up and standing, like you have to practice for that. It's a far more physically grueling uh, art form than I realized or that it can be like just in terms of the, the repetition, it's, you do a movie, you film a couple scenes. Okay, let's say you film it 50 times. Boom, you're done. The movie is done, played forever, you make your money. You're in a play, you need to act out the scene. I'm Captain Obvious. So I don't know why I'm explaining it to everyone, but I'm just like, my mind is blown. Like, and it's like, I'm looking here, it's like Bernadette Peter, you have all these actors and actresses who've been on Broadway for like years. And it's like, it's just, it is a, it's like baseball season. There's a grind. It, like, and it's just, and like some of the runs go for months or years, right? It's like, It was interesting. We were we were like there. We were adjacent. We were about forty miles yeah. away in a town. Like we we weren't there. I'm not like but that means that we weren't there at ground at part of the epidemic. But it was interesting to see like the the diner they're going to was like we live near there. Our friends when we moved into the city, like the neighborhoods they live in the Lower East Side, like East, yeah. East, like that's where my that's where we live. Like that's where all of our friends went. And so it was really interesting just to see that and like that's a whole this could be a whole other topic but the topic of gentrification was just that seeing like okay this is what it was like when we were there it was like 15 years 10 years later sometimes for like when we got there and like the transformation of the city um it was just an interesting the way i looked at it was like all right what does gentrification look like like these are the people who could afford to live there before like people who are working at the diner like they could have whole multiple jobs and then 10 years 15 years later it's like a bunch of preppy kids from westchester who have nice jobs or the parents are helping them combination of the two and it's like okay that's how they can afford to live there um but it was just i'm losing myself that was more so about me to understand that the epidemic that was affecting the people there it must have been so scary like we're scared now about covid and like for them like the word like i think they're talking about like viral loads like some of the buzzwords it was just i think there was a level of topicalness just in terms of sensitivity to viruses and like that type like that type of illness like it, it it resonated with me more strongly than I anticipated. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I do think there was there was a parallel going on there. I mean, again, yeah, I don't think COVID's quite as um, you know as debilitating as oh, the AIDS virus was. But it's a kind of a different thing. But I, not I, not not, com not comparing them in terms of severity, just in terms right. of like the fact like it's the virus contagious. Like people are more aware. Right. Like just terms of some parallels in terms of that awareness of what's contagious, what's not, like how careful should you be? I remember the whole question of should Magic Johnson play basketball or not? Can he? If he bleeds on the court, is he going to get it? Like nobody knew like what was what. And like at a time where you know something's really dangerous and there's not a lot of information, 
that leaves a lot of room for misinformation, but ultimately just fear. And like, it, so that was kind of things that I, that I was thinking about. Yeah. And I, I definitely, you know, I think Miranda kind of tries to show, you know, the, the one guy, Michael, who gives up acting and kind of gets the sales job. He moves to the super nice apartment and it's like, you can just see, you know, I, I think he makes it a little bit too black and white. Like, I don't, I don't think it's that easy for everybody to just give up acting and get like a hundred thousand dollar a year sales job. You know? Yeah. I just want not that easy. Like advertising is also like as an industry, like when you go to advertising, like you're not making a ton of money. Like it's, it, it's a ways up like that. Not saying you couldn't do it, but the idea that it's like New York is the land of opportunity. And if you are talented and you're willing to work, I'm sure you can find it. But like, yeah, I agree. It's not like, oh, every theater major who drops out, you can be, you can make a hundred K on advertising as someone who works in advertising, just not that easy a transition. Yeah. I, that, that, it was made a little bit too black and white, but he's trying to show that it's like, that, you know, there were opportunities for these people outside of that theater world and they could have made more mm -hmm. money and they could have lived more comfortable lives. And he's just trying to mm -hmm. express that like, if you really want to stay in the theater world, you're going to have to live like in the dumps and like, you're going to have to grind it for a really long time and give up these kind of other opportunities. And you do, it's like, you need to love that world that much to stay in it. And so all of that kind of stuff, it's like, I do think it explains the Jonathan Larson character pretty well, where it's like, you know, he has friends that are, you know, moving on and up with their lives, whether it's like moving in with their significant others or like getting jobs that they're paying better and kind of giving up in that theater world. He was one of those guys that like, wasn't going to give up and like, he was going to give it his all. He was going to keep doing it. And like, I mean, obviously, you know, when that suburban play doesn't get picked up, I mean, that's such a low point for somebody like that to work on something for that long and then realize that you got to stay in the, in the, in the dumps basically and keep working and keep writing. And so, all, you know, all of that kind of stuff rang true to me. Um, again, some of the, the way the movie was made though, I just don't think was the best way to tell the story. I would have much preferred just a, a more linear kind of biographical story about Jonathan Larson, I think. I would like that or even like do a reverse thing or frame it with like his funeral and like, uh, or like the first stage of rent, like the first stage in a rent. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I, th I agree. My wife, my wife also was just waiting for the rent music and she was like, we never got to hear rent music. And I was like, well, it was, this was tick, tick, boom. You know, it's before, that's the play before rent. <laughs> I, I expected, I expected some little more DNA from rent. Again, I haven't seen rent, but like yeah. that was. Yeah, it, I really like it. I really like the, I really, taking a step back, I like it. But like with a critical eye, like when I'm like, what is we talking about? Okay, like, how did it make me feel? Like, what, how did they develop the characters? What's the plot? What, like, what does the story tell me? It tells me that the, it's really hard to make a play. Like that, that's ultimately what it is. And like, that's great. But that's not really moving me on a human level. I, I the level of tragedy for him working so hard on something he wasn't able to appreciate is certainly not lost on me. And that's a powerful emotion. But like outside of that, like I left the film and Larson, they didn't even frame it in the way that like the way you could frame it as that. Like if he had left with Alexander ship and he'd gone and gotten the job, he would have died from an aneurysm anyways, and no one would have remembered him. But he didn't. And now like, no, he didn't get to experience it, but now he's immortalized again. Now, now we're not even just talking about rent. Now we're talking about tick, tick, boom, which is like, he's like, it's snowballing. Like he's growing, he's joining, like he's becoming the zeitgeist, but they didn't even frame it like that. Like that was the thing. And maybe Manuel Miranda is like pushing the audience to make that conclusion himself. And in that, if that's the case, I do commend that for challenging the audience, but at the same time, 
I don't think he thought of it that way. And it's just like, it's not really, I don't see the tension in the film. Like there's not a lot of tension in the film, but there's just a lot of tragedy. talked about another film recently in the age of 17 and how Woody Harrelson's character brought like a good needed energy to the film in a similar note I agree with you this film we talked about it's a little helter skelter you're jumping from the framing device to the story and sometimes yeah. the story is different like it's different angles in the story it's, it's, it's big musical numbers too that they're trying to make room for exactly and you have all this going on and there's just the one scene where he gives that feedback and he is calm, like just that scene. It's like really direct. Like it, their chemistry is great, and his energy is really good. Like he seems kind of yeah. he fits with us. He's like, oh, he's fidgety. It's fidgety, but when he talks, he's calm. He knows what he's. It's like definitive, and it's very powerful. And again, it's only a few a brief scene, but that scene was one of the few moments of gravity. There's like for me, it's that scene. It's uh, one of the first scenes where he's working at the diner with friends and like they're kind of just talking about like the sickness. And then when he has his heart to heart with his own friend, finds out that he has um, AIDS. Like there are a few film, there are few emotional points. And then ultimately the conversation with him and Alexander Ship where they break up. Like there are a few emotional tethers or gravity points in the in the film. And to me, that was one. But that was the only point in the film, like really since the beginning where, and again, it's like I'm probably thinking too much into it. So it felt like the film slowed down, and yeah. I, I like that, and I think they needed, to your point, at least one more scene, maybe heading into, like, they, you're right, they needed at least one more scene with them. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I think I, for me, it, would, it probably would have been after his suburbia play doesn't get picked up by any producers. I think you need, I, I, actually, it's like, what they do is they have him leave a voicemail for him, and he, like, listens to this, and then the guy's like, don't give up or something like that, but it's like, that needs to be like, that guy should, like, invite him for a coffee, and just talk to him for a like, second and just like be like don't jump off the ledge here like i can see your talent like you know it, it needs to be one of those kind of scenes and it's just like <laughs> I, I just didn't feel like they gave it enough space i i feel like that's one of those it seems like this is very try to be true to life and some certain points are made up i bet that is what really happened i bet sometime did leave a message yeah. but to like your point like we as an audience we need to see more than that like give us you can stretch the fabric there let us give us that moment and again, it's like, yeah. I don't want it to feel generic, but like you do need some, some, you need a little more of the substance in the film. Right. And, and as a viewer, it's like, it's hard for you to understand that like, is this just a guy, like, 
guy in an apartment trying to come up with songs and, and write stuff, or is he a genuinely talented guy? And it's like you're, that, that one scene where Sondheim's giving feedback to him, that's one of the few scenes where you're like, oh, he is, like, people do recognize the talent in him. And so, yeah, I just think for the viewer, especially if you're not familiar with Jonathan, Jonathan Larson, it's like, you need a little bit more of just like, is this guy really talented, or is he just like a guy, like, in a, in a bad apartment who's just, like, singing to himself a lot? And it's like, maybe they're trying to kind of create, like, I think maybe Brand's trying to be like, there is no distinction between that, but at the same time, I do think Jonathan Larson was a talented person, and, and really did. He updated his lyrics for Broadway, you know, I think Brent kind of did modernize uh, musical theater in a way that if you watch plays from the 80s and the 70s, it wasn't kind of at that sort of realistic uh, tipping point, and I think I think Larson kind of brought a, a more modern day uh, look for musical theater, and, and I think that's kind of what's going to be remembered for ultimately, but like, I think showing that aspect to the viewer, like what is real talent was, would have helped out a little bit. Because for a lot of the movie, you could just kind of see him as this goofy kind of loser that maybe isn't going to make it. You know, it's like you don't totally see the talent all the time. It also, it occurred to me there are certain points in the film where like it could have just diverted into like a horror or like a parody. Like, like oh here's the song like hot cross buns, hot cross buns. Like it's just in my mind, I was like, I like, are we going to hear the music and is it going to suck? Um, I don't know why I said Hot Cross Buns, probably just because I think that's a really funny song and the lowest form of music uh, that I'm capable of in terms of playing it. But um, the, the other thing, too, it's just that, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to stop myself. You spoke pretty, pretty eloquently, but it's just, um, it occurred to me at certain points, I was like, are we going to hear what he's making? And then, like, you, you do get glimpses of it, but... Um, there were points in the film where I was like, I knew they weren't going to, but I was like, you could take like a pretty funny turn here if he just goes like, like oh, it's all if it's like old Jack, old work and no play makes John a dull yeah. boy like type of thing. Um, but I'm losing myself down that rabbit hole. I it was. Yeah, pulled up here the Sunday feature like I, I knew there was something else going on and it features it looks like anywhere from a dozen a half a dozen like Broadway cameos for people who are either on rent or I mean Bernadette Peters BB Newworth I re recognize them um but I've also seen Bernadette P Peters in person just so you know sorry I'm not playing once um no big deal she is quite quite lovely in person just saying that. Just okay. So back to the test. That so a part of me appreciated it on a level. I mean, you don't need to be from New York to 
I think appreciate brunch, but brunches in New York are specific, like, I don't know if it's a different type of beast, but that's the brunches I'm used to. And it was funny. Like, I, I'm not joking. Like we, I've been to that diner that he worked at, like in the Lower East Side East Village. Like I've, I've been to brunch there. Like I've been in that area. So it was really, on one level, it was fun to see that. But like that lasts about 30 seconds. And then as it goes on and I'm realizing like, I'm like, as they're introducing these new, can like the characters, I kept being like, I feel like I should know who this person is. I feel like I should know who this person is. But to your point, by the end, it's like, okay, here's a three, four or five minute dance scene that's like really well choreographed. It's really interesting and it's a cool song, but it has nothing to do with the plot. It hasn't advanced it at all. It hasn't introduced any new characters. All it's done is talk about how shitty it is to serve brunch on a Sunday in New York. And guess what? I didn't need a fucking two hour movie to tell me that. Like, it just is like, and I think to me, and you kind of, this is a passion project. And I think sometimes those can be the best projects, the best art, but more often than not, they, they usually come up short. And it's because when it's all passion, like there's, you lose objectivity. And this is the type of thing where, again, if this is, this is Netflix direct. So Lin-Manuel Miranda had a ton of direction here putting on our producer hats this is the type of thing he comes to me with this movie and puts this on my plate i'm cutting that off immediately i'm like okay get, we're gonna get rid of this five minute sequence cut off a few million dollars all these guest stars i don't care if they're doing it for free and we're gonna focus on the movie but like it just it's a distraction and even the, like the timing of it it's like the emotional crux of the movie it just it was just a poorly yeah. timed distraction that's how i looked at it like right yeah it's like he's just found out his friends like uh doing in the hospital he's losing his girlfriend he needs to write this song there's all this interesting stuff that's happening in life and then to have this kind of five minute musical scene again really well choreographed good music good lyrics but it doesn't progress anything because this is this is the difference between like film and theater honestly it's like you can't spend that time in a movie without developing it's too much for the viewer you can't just rely on spectacle and have nothing happening and, and, and i do think in theater spectacle can go a lot further when you're seeing something in person it, again you're not you don't have to jump off the screen because there is no screen you're seeing something in person in front of you and that's it just has a different effect than it does on watching a film and so i, I think you're totally right um Manuel miranda i think didn't have uh you know there weren't a lot of producers giving up notes on this i think it was kind of his own thing and, and he was given a lot of leeway and yeah um it's the kind of thing where it's like I, I probably would have cut it if I was a producer, you know, you know, it's like, I think you need to clean up stuff in this movie. And, you know, I, I'm sure everyone involved in the film was like, I love this scene. And, you know, I think it's so great what you did to this Sunday brunch. You know, you kind of created this, this amazing musical piece out of it, which is all true. But at the same time, it doesn't make it a better movie. And it's like, at the end of the day, we're still watching the movie. You know, it's like you and I sat down on our couches to put this on our TV. And it needs to speak to the viewer that way. It, you can't just kind of rely on, on, on theater tricks. And even like just from not even a critical point of view, just from a viewer's standpoint, is this a new prism? We should be, you broke the fourth wall with like, is like, what is this? So we now have the framing device, we have the reality. And is there now this like fantasy reality? And, and it's something they dive into throughout the film. But that was the real time where I was like, okay, so we now have like three different planes of reality here. Like what, like what? And again, I'm, it's, it's not that type of film. Right, now he like pushes the wall down off the restaurant and I'm sure there are certain viewers that love that scene, honestly. I'm sure there's a lot of musical theater people that really appreciated that scene and, you know, worked those jobs and, you know, thought it was brilliant that he turned it into that musical piece. But again, as just being a person watching a movie with a critical eye, I didn't think it held a 
No, me either. And I, I get like, oh, you're going into his you're going into his imagination. That's fine. But you need to establish that as the framing device. You can't like you just can't change the plane of reality within a scene and then go back like it just from a viewer was that all his imagination? Like were they every time they broke in a song, was that real? Because there was a time at the party where they break in a song, like yeah. and that felt organic I, and I, real. I, like I, I enjoyed that that party song because uh, I liked it too. I've only in a, there's only been a few instances where I've been around or part of some spontaneous group song, and it's quite enjoyable. It is a splendid little treat. So I, I like that. And I, to, I thought it was really well executed. It felt organic and it felt fun, which is the hardest thing because that could yeah. easily not seem fun or cool. And it did. It was both. And I thought kudos to Miranda and everyone for for making those scenes work. The other framing device, this is what I don't get. They close the movie with the Alexander Ship character, but like, then she should be the framing device. Like, she should start the movie talking to her kids, or it's like, it should be like, I'm not going to rewrite it here, but again, we talk about framing device and it starts with tick, tick, boom, but it doesn't end with tick, tick, boom. It starts, it ends with her doing a voiceover. And again, Lynn Manuel Miranda is far talented than I'll ever be. And far be it for me, even if he is wrong in this instance. He's still right, because especially compared to me. But we talk about this a lot with the Netflix films. It's like a double-edged sword, because we've also talked about, like, there's plenty of cases where studio execs trample on the artist, and, like, that's bad. Like, that that's very bad. And I think of having to choose between two evils, I'd rather have an artist with less reins on them than one that had, like, no freedom. So I don't mind. I like the film. But to our point, like we both brought up, Miranda has a couple things here where I, I just think any objective, you don't need to be a producer or a writer. I think anyone objective just likes movies or shows would be like, hey, here are a few things I would do differently. Like, this is what yeah. I think um, yeah. we should do. Um, and, I mean, I'm not going to, like, it, it, like, I feel like in a good musical movie, um, you should kind of be looking forward to the, to the musical numbers. Um, and this movie to the actual drama of the movie and I wasn't looking forward to the music or, or those kind of those big set piece numbers and that's a bad that's a bad turn to have in a movie like this because you know again if you watch West Side Story uh, either the original or, or the, the new film I think you're looking 
be that those should be highlights and it ended up not not being my favorite moments in this movie again i i, I mean we've been told on that uh, point here but it's just like i think they should be uh, emotional tipping points or, or kind of changes inside the plot so that it progresses the movie in a certain way and, and again i think that brings in for the viewer it makes you pay more attention to it where it, to me it felt a lot more like spectacle for a lot of the, the musical set pieces It's it's hard to follow you up when it's probably not as bad as what what we're what we're saying about it. I know I feel bad. But it's it's so hard to follow up because if, like you you just are you say what I want to more articulate more articulately than I can, and I also agree with you. Like I do like I do like like I enjoyed this. Like I would, I'm like I'm probably gonna come up on like a generally like recommend it, but like yeah like. It's a movie about a guy who tried to get one play made, who ends up getting another play made, and it's told through the lens of a third play, which we don't, which like the only context is the framing device. Oh, and by the way, the framing device, they switch it towards the end of the film. And the, with the framing device they start with is different than the framing device they end with. And like, I know that's like super nitpicky, but like, it's very confusing. And like, Now that we're talking about, I think, I think he used this as a Trojan horse to do all the three of those things. Yeah. I think like maybe I'm sure he's got a deal, a, a whole deal with Netflix and I'm sure he could have made three different movies, but also, I mean, and also I think uh, this is me saying this to me, got to keep in mind with these Netflix projects, maybe that's why there's more fun. Maybe it's because they like to challenge themselves. Maybe he wanted to do like, and, and I can always concede that, but this is the thing. I can say, oh yeah, maybe he wanted to do that, but if the end result is something I don't like, then I still he's not gonna get like credit for that. So like if you wanna try something new, then then it's gotta work. But I, I'll say this, I really like Lynn Manuel Miranda. I love him as a writer, director, songwriter, actor. I love him. This hasn't affected me in any way. I'm gonna see his next film too. But this is the type of film that I watch and uh, after watching it, I say he's really talented. But he's not there yet. Like it's like Wade. Yeah. It's like Wade the year he lost in the uh, Eastern Finals. Like I see it. He like the greatness. He's already great. I'm talking about from a movie making, like a direct, like movie directing standpoint. He's already amazing. Yeah, but like to hit that, yeah. is he the next Steven Spielberg? I don't know. Could he be the next? Uh, why am I blanking on someone like? I want to say Shane Black, but that's not the right comp. I, I don't know who he is, but I know. Audience involved in it and have it be fun the 
basically, and it's a three-hour play, and you never get tired of it. That's uh, an amazing thing to achieve. And so, but I think you're right when when it comes to filmmaking and directing. You know, to to land a movie like this with as many things as he's trying to juggle. I mean, uh, again, uh, a super talented guy. I, I have no doubt he had full confidence in what he was doing, and that you know maybe he would kind of reinvent musical film in a certain way, in the same way that Larson kind of reinvented musical theater, but. I don't think he broke through that window, and I don't think he quite landed the plane. You know, it's like, and I, I, I tip my my cap that, that he attempted it, and it's not an unwatchable movie by any means. But again, I don't think he quite landed the plane here. Agreed. Honestly, my takeaway is I wish he just flipped it on its head in terms of the the composition from tick tick boom to like depiction. If that had been flipped, I think I really would have liked that. Like maybe maybe it's shorter, but like he was great on stage. Like have him actually perform tick tick boom. And then, like, maybe it's, like, 30% of the time it's you cut to, the, like, the first Superbia play, the, the Sondheim conversation. Like, right. again, I always say this, I'm not going to rewrite it, and then I try and rewrite it, which is not a good look, especially – not a good look. I'm not a writer, but more so for me, it's just, like, uh, it's the way my little lizard brain works. Just, like, trying to think of a different angle, but um, I'm going on too much. No, that's fair. And, like, I, I mean – Again, I think the strength of the movie was the Garfield performance. Like I said, it's a good performance. Uh, both both his the musicality of it and his dramatic acting, I thought was pretty good. And just like he has that kind of infectious personality. You know, you compare it to some of his other movies, whether it's like Spider-Man or Social Network, it's a completely different character that he comes up with in this movie. And I think he's rightly, you know, kind of recognized for what he did in the film. And I'm not going to say like he should lean into that a little bit more because he's basically in every scene in the movie. Um but I did think it was a little bit of a waste of that performance because I, I think the the performance for me outshined the movie. It's so the only reason I watched this this is so lame. But the what I was interested because he was in the Spider Man film, and I realized like I like Andrew Garfield. I didn't love yeah. the, his last Spider Man film, but I like him as an actor. Like I've always liked him, and I was like, oh, he's also in Tick Tick Boom. Like oh, I've heard of that. You know what? Let me give it another shot. Like I'll I'll give it a shot. Like I really liked because I forgot how much I liked Garfield. And I loved him in it. I couldn't agree more. Like, I, I know he's got a ton of awards, and I hope he wins something, or I'm glad he's at least getting recognition. But, and I hate him. I love Lin, Lin Manuel Miranda as well. However, the thing is, like, I don't wanna, I don't want to go so hard to say, like, wasted, but, like, the movie, that, that's probably right. The movie quality of the film doesn't match the quality of his performance, which is always disappointing. Like, and when, anytime you get, like, a super great performance like that. Yeah. It almost feels like it's kind of swallowed up a little bit. Where it, I mean, again, it's like he's almost in every scene, but it's just kind of like it, it's tough for him to outshine all the spectacle that's going on around him. So we, you just talked about what we were just talking about. Azaz myself. Just about Garfield and kind of how we we like the performance a little bit more than the movie. I think we've kind of we hit on what we don't like about this movie. Jake. Yeah, it's. I feel bad. Like I, I it's yeah, so I funny. There's some movies where I come into it, I'm like, I'm going to be so positive. And then, like, I just, I come out, I'm like, ooh, I, I feel like I was so, and then other times I'm like, I'm going to rip this film. And then, like, actually one of those films was um, Last Picture Show. I came in a little harsher, and after we talked about it for an hour, I was like, this film's pretty good. Like, okay, so, but this is one where I came in, I thought it was going to be a higher score, and now I'm like, oh, poor Tick Tick Boom. Yeah, it's a film, it's like, uh, you want to like it Uh, but again, it also just kind of, you can't look past some of the flaws, I think. 
Just feels like a great meal that doesn't have any salt. Okay. Yeah, I, I just admit it. Just missing. A lot it, of stuff going on, you know, a lot of yeah. you know. You have vibrant veggies in one side, spicy meats. You're just you're just missing you're missing that salt to bring it all together. Should we go into final scores? Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm ready for the final scores here. Would you like to lead you us? Yeah, you go first. I'm gonna. I'm pretty close to you. I'm coming in at a six, and I just couldn't agree more. I just thought the uh, it ebbs and flows throughout, but it was um, it was ultimately the individual scenes were great, but it was less than the sum of its parts. Should we? Uh, should we? What's your, what's your score there, Jake? Six. Six. Okay, five point eight to six. All right. So what scores? Couple scores. Time to say goodbye, Seth. All right. Goodbye, people. Bye.